So all I can think about this week is Utah Phillips' song, The Past. Oh, I know you that. Know, time is an amazing long river. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the past didn't go anywhere. Um, mostly because I've been having night terrors based like loosely on reality. Anyways, hi well, Ryan. I think you were going to say night terrors based on Utah Phillips. No, those would not I love be that night we can terrors. Have, <laughs> I love that we can have a discussion about Utah Phillips. I know. Isn't that odd? <laughs> it's it's not, and not an everyday thing that occurs. No, it's not. Thank God. Thanks, Ani. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ani DeFranco. Um. Um, welcome. Welcome to Unrolled. I'm not feeling so great. Mm. I'm sick. I'm, I'm not feeling so great either, but I'm just. I think I'm sicker. Sleep. I need to win the prize for sicker. Right no, now. you absolutely do. I'm just tired. Okay. You win. I need to be infantilized this episode as much as possible. Okay. <laughs> um, you're tired. Yes. Because. Well, tell me about your burnout. Why are you tired? Um, I had been doing really well with getting to bed earlier. So that I could get up earlier, so I had more time to practice in the morning. And then last yesterday, we we're working in the studio. Um, we, uh, me and my assistant, tried to open and utilize Photoshop on the studio computer, and the computer couldn't hang. <laughs> it just, oh, just no. shit the bed right then and there. <laughs> So, it's, it was like the never-ending saga. I went and got... Because I still had a desktop that was in my office at Back Bay that I hadn't been using. So I went and got that. And we took it out and tried to reboot it. But it looked like the screen was damaged. So we were like, okay, well, fuck it. We can't use that. And then so I put that away. And then we kept trying to reset the studio computer. And it wasn't working. And then, so we kind of give up, and I go in to teach my class at six, and I come back out, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go cook myself some dinner, and then I'll come back down and handle this. And I had left it running, the reboot running, and I come down, and it's still just, like, stuck. Um, You know, five minutes remaining for, like, three hours. Oh. (laughs) Um... So then I pull out the, just on a whim, pull out the desktop again, and whatever, like, deformity was happening in the screen had resolved itself. Like, I think it just got overheated from, or something. Like, something weird happened, and it resolved itself on its own. And so I started rebooting that again. And around 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, I got everything up and running and installed and fixed God, not only does that um, sound like it was exhausting, it was exhausting to listen to. Yes. <laughs> it was It was Like, awful. just when I thought it was over. No. It, it just kept it happening. It just kept happening. <laughs> but you got it all fixed. I got it all fixed. And I just spoke with Reg, and he's at the studio, and it's working, and it hasn't crashed. Good work, Reg. All is right with the I can't world. wait to meet Reg. Is Didn't Reg going to like me? Is he going to like me? No. He was here. You didn't introduce me. You were busy. No. Oh. Lindsay came by and said hello. She must not have been busy. 
How's Anyways. your burnout? You're sick. So right now it's real. It, you know, being sick is sick. You know, being temporarily sick is what it is, and it's always a great um, humiliator. You know, yeah. it drops you down to your lowest. Uh, you know, because when you're like in the shower and you got the, you're like spinning around. Yeah. And you're like, wow, breathing's, breathing's tricky. Um, I just am real, real bad at <clears throat> handling yourself when you're sick. I am not a graceful patient, I don't think. I think Nick's a, Nick's a, Nick's, Nick's a champion. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of Nick now in this yeah. situation. And- He's great. Um, I have a really hard time calling out sick and subbing classes when I'm sick. Yeah. I feel deep guilt for, like, I don't know. I don't don't want to put out another teacher. I don't want to put out my students. And I went and taught, and I probably shouldn't have been teaching. Because, A, my voice sounds like this, but it sounded worse. It was like I was... I was in the middle of... Yeah. What's the word? You know, adolescence for boys when your voice changes. Like, I just... Puberty? Kept, yeah. I was like, <laughs> puberty, like, my voice was jumping octaves arbitrarily. Um, so I taught a very, very simple class. And, um, you know, that's good. I think it's good to be like... I'm not going to hurt myself trying to muster the normal energy I emit during class I'm gonna drop it and drop it low I just found out what Ariana Grande's song walking side to side is actually talking about you know I don't know that song <gasps> oh anyways it's all over the place right now and it's this really catchy reggae song about walking side to side yeah. uh, and it's actually about um, a young woman who has had such, such uh, ambitious sexual encounters that she has to walk side to side. <laughs> I thought it was like about dancing. Anyways, I'm sick. So. <laughs> Fantastic. <clears throat> but Don't you know, die. the upshot of that is, is I'm, you know, as a, as a, it's not easy. Um, I think it's never an easy decision to call out of work as a yoga teacher. Yeah. And, you know, I, if, yeah, I didn't call out of my other job either. And it's just, we live in a culture where it's really freaking hard to do that. And it's, it's fucked up. Yeah. It's fucked up. Like there's no reason that I should have been on the train exposing other people. Like it was selfish. Yeah. But at the same time it was like, well, I, I need to pay my bills, you know? And it's like, we just have such, we live in such a terrifying. Yeah. Well, you don't, you don't look, you just look fatigued today. You don't look sick, sick. Yesterday, the noises that were coming out of me, you wouldn't have been like happy to be near me on a bus. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. But that's good that I just look fatigued. Yeah. And I can hear it in your voice a little bit, but. Okay. Um, So that's good. Um, so today, as we record on January 4th at 4 o'clock, um, is the one-year anniversary of me buying 
Post treat. Happy anniversary to you. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Okay, I'll stop. Um, that's wonderful. How does that feel? Um. Well, after last night. <laughs> yeah, that was your little gift. <laughs> that was my yeah. That was my anniversary present to myself. So. <laughs> no, it feels good. I, it, there's lots of good things coming up, and. Um, <coughs> You know, as much as I, as, you know, as stressful as it can be, it's, better than working for somebody else, I gotta say, far better than working for somebody else, so, that's what I got. (laughs) You can't say that to me right now. I can't hear it. Um, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently in your first year? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Um, there were some decisions that I put off. Because I was sensitive, especially after Back Bay, of students and teachers being um, kind of afraid of change. And to a certain degree, that was, I did a good job with that. And then other decisions, looking back, I'm like, no, I should have just pulled the trigger on that instead of like... Milking it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, those things, but, like, no transition is ever going to be perfect, like, um, and, uh, I might have hired someone earlier, um, and I also would have, um, paid myself more. Um, because there were times when I just didn't because there wasn't, it was just too tight. And in those moments I should have just, I should have just paid myself. But then where does the money come from? Do you know what I mean? Like if the money's not there, how do you pay yourself? No, I'm not saying the money wasn't there. I was just like scared that it, if I did, pay, it would be too that the margin would be too tight. So I didn't. But I should have just paid myself and then known that I can always loan the business back. My, but like if I'm teaching, I should be at least paying myself for what I teach, which is what I'm doing now. And the whole energetic, like I, it, it doesn't feel. Adjective. Um, I'd give you one, but I don't know where you're going. <clears throat> it doesn't. It doesn't feel yucky. That's good. Like it doesn't feel. Um, because the last thing, and this is part of the reason why, like. It, it's so difficult to have a small independent yoga studio is that, you know, 
it's it's all on one person and most independent centers with one location can't afford a full-time or even a part-time staff separate from the teachers just like administrative staff so it's like um that burnout that aspect of the burnout if especially if you're not um sort of skirting on paying yourself at least for teaching um can can really uh be tough um and uh so um yeah i'm excited to you know i think the other thing is that and and i forget who was saying this to me one of the teachers sort of like they didn't know what it was going to be like like they didn't know where like where i was going and to a certain extent i didn't really know where what direction i was going to go yeah with the studio and so it's easy now to look back and be like oh that was so obvious i should have done this that or the other thing but at the time it was still very much this transitional thing of like well i have the studio <coughs> that's you know just sort of pulling its weight and like i have to push it in some direction in which way am i gonna push it which way am i gonna nudge it so hindsight's twenty twenty. i want you to pretend that we're now at your two-year anniversary and you're looking back over that year and i ask you what would you have done differently in year two what might that answer be? I don't know. Of course you don't. This is a mental exercise. I don't know. Um, I guess... Uh, hmm... I don't know, I'm always resisting the studio being about me. And I know to a certain extent that if I maybe stood on a soapbox a little bit more and talked about the reasons for me making the decisions I make with Bow Street that uh, it would be helpful for the studio it would be in terms of just like getting new people interested or you know at least you know it's not the easiest place to get to so but at least for like the workshops and the talks and all of that um, you know to get people interested and, and coming to participate in the community in whatever way they can um, but I don't know I resist that quite a bit you know this huh 
That's something to chew on. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna also throw in there. I wish I'd paid myself more, because I think you're gonna make the same mistake. <laughs> I wish I had taken just a little bit more time off. Yeah. <clears throat> I am in, I am intending on doing two ten day retreats oh, this be year. So weird. Are they both that one? What do you mean are they both that one? Is it both quiet guy goes to quiet town retreat? One is more quiet, quiet, and the other is more like a, 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 where you're learning teachings. You're going to get your sickness all over my map. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Anyways. (laughs) um, Okay. Okay. Enough with grilling me about. (laughs) Anticipating you. Yeah. Um, So this week we've been exchanging a lot of... uh, Just a lot of that noise. I keep wanting to use the word missives. That is not the word of the week, but it just keeps coming to me. Missives. What is, what do you, I'm I'm unfamiliar. Um, I'll read it to you in a second. We're going to have two Um, words of the day. We are. Words of the week? Yes. Okay. A plural noun, a letter, especially a long or official one. He hastily banged out electronic missives. Holy shit, it was right. (laughs) My brain is awesome. I don't mean that in a cocky way. I mean that in, I am deeply surprised <laughs> that she worked. Um, good job, Bessie. Go get your sugar cube. Um, so we've been sending missives all week about various uh, workshop topics and articles. Workshop, Um And and the theme, the theme amongst all of all them of that, it, it seems is. to be magic, the unnameable, esoteric and mysticism. Yeah, the esoteric that which shall not be described because it is too holy. <laughs> that which resists description. Description that which requires, dare I say. Faith. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, god! So where do we even start? I don't even know. Um, um, let's go with the, let's go with the uh, chakra. Can we talk about how to say the word? Cha, 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 ch- not cha, cha, chakra, chakra. That's what I said. No, it wasn't. Yeah, email in. That's what I said. <laughs> they heard me. Chakra. Oh, but it sounds like I'm saying ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's just my. Okay. <laughs> But it's it's like a guttural. Uh. Yeah, there's no there's no. Uh, ah, crap. Well, there's no that <laughs> <laughs> that I know of. Chakra, chakra. It's like uh, kappa. Yes. It's not kappa. <laughs> yes, it is kappa. <laughs> kappa. Um, if I ex- except that that like perfectly describes to me. <laughs> kappa. Yeah. That's what is that onomatopoeia? No, yeah, yeah. no, that's not it. Isn't the it? sound is the meaning. Yeah. Fuck. We're gonna have a third <laughs> word of the week. It's not onomatopoeic. Poetic. Poetic. Um. Okay, we'll, we'll deal with that on. later. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it there has seemed to be a lot of chakra uh, posts and workshops and videos and, um. I get really uncomfortable because a lot of them had to do with reconciling anatomy with the chakra system. 
And I get the temptation to do that. But it's its own map. Like, the... The ancient yogis didn't, you know... I mean, yes, they might have been, through their own experience, pointing at things that they were feeling that we now know that there's some sort of link in the nervous system, especially the more we learn about the belly and, um, you know, but where it falls apart to me is when you use them and use the chakras in any other way than a useful place to place your attention. That's what they are. They're useful places to meditate. Um, and I believe, I don't know this to be true, but, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we assign to the chakras is basically um, a manifestation of the intersection between sort of Jungian psychology and these things we call chakras, where that was when they morphed from a place to just rest your attention while you breathe to, you know, having personality and um, archetypal qualities to them. Um, Certainly not the, I'm not talking about the colors or the sounds or the seed syllables or anything like that, but the, the, the broader understanding of them that many people use to cleanse their chakras or to engage their chakras or to no, it's just a useful... You could... It, to me, a practice on Muladhara Chakra is just do your yoga practice and you're just affixing your attention to the area that you know to be Muladhara Chakra. And that may be a useful focal point for you. But other than a place, an area of the body to pay attention to, I don't think you can... Uh, it, you can't like assign. Here's a series of poses that will help you unlock. Yeah, no, 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 no. Why not? Why can't I unlock? Um, I mean, I guess you can unlock. What does that mean? What What is locked? Let's define locked. I think what people mean by locked or blocked. Because I think those are used interchangeably when you're talking about the chakras in sort of pop yoga world. Is that they are having a psychological experience, an emotional experience. That they're locating somewhere in the body that happens to either through hearsay by reading a book or through somatic experience be located physically in a particular area. And that they find that through doing particular postures that, um, or form, engaging in forms or pranayams or whatever, meditations, that allow their attention to remain placed there, that they experience some sort of psychosomatic release. Which is totally an experience that one could have. 
but I just think that we're overlaying this very mystical and um, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Indianness. To uh, we're overlaying that over simple experience. We're putting a map without naming the experience. The map can point us to the experience, but then to actually understand it quite simply without needing to know how to say the word chakra, I think is more <laughs> more important. No, I think it like um, Barbara used to do this all the time. She would teach a chakra class, you'd never say the word. But if you were paying attention, you'd be like, oh, we're moving we're paying attention to these centers from bottom to top. And never, that word was never ever mentioned, so unless you knew the map. Why? Why do you think she did that? <clears throat> um, because I, it points to direct experience more. And if you have an experience and then you're pointed to a map, you can be like, oh, I've been there. Instead of looking at a coffee table book with pictures from Paris and replacing that experience for the experience of going to Paris. Hmm. There's, there's this other piece of it. I agree with everything you're saying. And I, and I add that in the same way that contemporary pop culture sort of co-ops and merchandises uh, common art forms from yoga, the chakra system is one of them, that it loses meaning in that way. Like if I see, if I see it on the side of one more pair of pants or on the side of a Mm -hmm. a yoga bag or on a notebook or a tattoo or a necklace or a candle or a flag or a, you know it's when it becomes so ubiquitous as an art form it it makes me question like what 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 we're doing like i yeah, yeah. You know, like when remember remember in the early 90s when um the yin yang tattoo Oh sure. Sticker. I mean, I don't really remember that. But everywhere. Whatever. You're like two seconds younger than me. Okay, ten years. But whatever. (laughs) No, it's not ten years. years, No. But whatever the period of time was, there was just an explosion, and all of a sudden, it was just like, yeah, it's deep. Yeah. It's deep, and everybody just had it. And then all of a sudden, everyone was like. That's so cliche to have a dolphin tattooed leaping over (laughs) yin yang. Oh my god. You know, and it's just that kind of thing. It feels sleazy (laughs) somehow. Yeah. So I think there was always part of me that was mistrustful of anybody that was employing that imagery. No, don't get me wrong. I think it's interesting. 
Oh, it's super interesting, but uh, I'm mistrustful of yeah. most people that will sell it to me. Exactly. exactly. Just like I'm mistrustful of most, you know, here's an onk necklace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Because there also is a level of um, moving into this subtle territory before you've actually understood the gross. Like, do we really want to consider the chakra system before we understand how the spine works? I don't know. It seems kind of silly to me. Well, I'm much more interested in, like, the shashumna. Like, that to me is, is like, if, I, if I'm thinking about maps, like yeah, yeah, anatomical yeah. maps that I'm going to superimpose, there's, like, a simplicity to that one, even though it's deeply complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, like, something like that to me is more like, huh, okay, chimney over spine. Yes. Breath and but, spine, center of body, you know. And then somebody would take the chakra system and superimpose it yeah. right over the shishumna. But see, here's here's the thing, because it's very much all in presentation. Because while I, I do agree with myself that, that it's better to, you know, to understand your physical body and how it moves and um, not saying you need to do, go do a dissection lab or learn every the name of a muscle in the body, but just having a practice of movement um, is uh, important, um, more so than understanding where the the chakras are, or what the shishunanadi is, or any of those things. But you can have an understanding of those concepts and present them without overlaying the mysticism. Like, you can present the concept of Ida Pingala and Shishunanadi without ever using those words. You can talk about Mulabandha, Udhyanabandha, and Jalandarabandha without ever uttering those phrases. Um, because I want to point people to the experience first and then talk about from a historical context, from a, um, you know, modern postural yoga context, how the, how these came in to be sort of part of the compendium of knowledge that people tend to, to grasp onto. Um, and, but if you think about it, it's the same way that I, I teach. If I'm teaching Trikonasana, Trikonasana is the last word to leave my (laughs) mouth. It's, you know, tell people where to put their feet and then talk about the actions and bring them in slowly so that they can find where they're where find a range of motion where they can still breathe and experience the pose and then i might name that for them as trikonasana just for the sake of having a naming um because that's helpful (coughs) um but you know i want to i don't want to say like i don't want to have like a list of five instructions that, you know, five things that they need to remember, or 20 things that they need to remember in, in Trikonasana, and, and then try to apply that to the body every... Yeah, you sneak people into poses. You're like, this happens in your class. Yeah. Okay, he's just going to talk us through shapes, and then eventually... Whoa! Oh! Ah! Oh. 
I do that once in a while, and I people get so frustrated. You know, they're like, just tell me what you want me to do. Tell me the shape you want me to make with my body. Yeah. What's Where's the end zone here? Yeah. Um, so I usually only do that, like, once, once per class, and then I... I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting thing to consider. Um, so the other missive we exchanged um, was about a similar similar concept, topic, different yeah. culture. <laughs> <laughs> is it though? Just kidding. Um, um, yeah, it is. It's very um, Meridians. Scientists have proven the existence of meridians. It's it's just it's the what same. scientists? No, they shan't be named. Don't <laughs> what you studies? worry. No, no they, they shan't, shan't be, be cited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I did hear a. interview with somebody who was both a medical doctor and a um, TCM practitioner (laughs) specifically um, where he basically said that there there is some structure in the body that might be what they were pointing at in terms of meridians. And I don't remember. I will try and find this podcast. It's probably somewhere back a million years ago in my queue and put it in the show notes. But if I remember correctly, basically him referring to the channels through which like um, someone doing, um, what's the term for surgery where they use the, they don't, it's not fully invasive. It's oh, we're gonna do. Uh, <coughs> we're, Is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, that was helpful. <laughs> See, we're both worthless today oh, with God. words. But anyways, the the orthoscopic something like that. Arthroscopic. Ortho. Something. Um, that basically the pathways that scopic is the key. Though. Yes, the pathways that um, that Delineate. they go through might roughly map onto the meridians and maybe I'm interpreting this wrong. I know he wrote a book um, and I put it in my Amazon queue at some point, but never bought it. Um, So I I think, but that to me is a description of someone looking at a map and then trying to find, okay, what might this map be actually pointing at from a, from a um, empirical sort of scientific model and the fact that te- that acupuncture has been around for quite some time means that there must be some something that they're pointing at with the meridian system in the body. Yeah. Can't just be purely uh, placebo technique uh, placebo effect. Whimsy. Yeah. Artistic whimsy. <laughs> so it's not that I'm saying it's not that I think the meridian system is you know there isn't some corollary that might be useful in terms of allopathic, you know, Western scientific understanding of the body. Um, there must be. But at the same time, 
And you can't prove that. Maybe they can. Give it time. I don't know. I'm leaning far on the fence of like, let's see it. Um, They'll show it to us. They'll. I guess... The maps are useful as a therapeutic tool in terms of the meridians, what I'm talking about. Also in terms of like, um, you could have the same discussion about anatomy trains. The Tom Myers work. Deep front line, superficial back line, all that stuff. Um, My understanding is that it was essentially developed as a tool to teach body workers. And then he found a particular (coughs) niche in yoga teachers who found it useful in terms of, of movement modalities. But I bet you a million bucks that when, if I were to get on Tom Meyer's table, he wouldn't be following any sort of 10, 12 series that he'd just fucking go. He'd, he'd just be intuitive about it. Um, and so while at some point maybe he did rely more on, on you know, techniques or structures that, and, and lines that he understood to exist... Um, I mean, the concept of layers of the body in a horizontal sense is not a new thing by any any means. Um, but we, we oftentimes sort of latch on to these things because someone writes a book about them or they come from a sort of mystical place. And um, I think sometimes in doing that, we miss the real usefulness of them. And I, I think there's a lot of usefulness to be found in being like, okay, so there's this seven chakra system and then there's a three chakra system and then there's these meridians and then there's the deep front line and then there's the nadis how do the nadis like that can be a very interesting comparison but it's not one to one necessarily because they're 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 looking at different they're centered differently culturally they're centered differently in the body they're centered like they're centered differently so you can compare and you can be curious about wow they really came up with something similar here but it's different over here um it would be like trying to find a universal language yeah like let's look at the oldest form of language that erupted from different cultures at different moments in time and try to find analogous word for word and be specific you know yeah and it's just not all things developed yeah the same and and so the thing is is that if you receive a map like that, whether it's a map of personality or a map of the subtle body or even the map of the the Western map is just a map too. Bicep. The bicep was there before we ever gave it a... The x-ray. Gave it a name and decided that this is where it ends and this is where it begins. Um, I did that wrong. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, so it's just... A, it's. And so when, when I look at it that way and then I see all of these things popping up, it really simply becomes a... You're using the, the maps as marketing tools. Mm. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, like, the particular, say someone does a set of exercises around the root chakra. It's not that those exercises aren't useful. 
And, and it's not that they don't necessarily point to the muscles of the pelvic floor and, and the area of the body that's generally considered to be the root chakra. But why not just teach those exercises? <laughs> why do we have to? Because more people come because it's exotic. Yeah. It sounds more meaningful. It sounds it sounds more substantive. Yeah. It sounds mystical. There's a depth to it. Yeah. And there's also something deeply satisfying in categorization. Yeah. In the case of the Nadis, the three major Nadis, the masculine, feminine, and the center line, there's you know, in the case of the chakras, there's the developmental sense of things, which where that exactly comes from, I've never been entirely clear. Um, but the sense that the chakras develop, develop somehow as you age. Have you not heard this before? No. That's why the, the issues with, technically issues with Muladhar chakra have to do with safety. Because it develops as a young infant oh come on like yeah okay okay you know okay. so um, it's also freudian that's it's, fun. It, freudian and Jungian, and it, it it's, it's a little it's, yeah just all of it it's all in there um and uh and same thing with ayurveda there's something deeply satisfying in calling yourself a pitta you know in in having a type something that speaks to your experience oh speaking of that that leads us to our next one. Oh yeah what was it called kusha kusha check this out you really have to check this out okay uh so it's a website it's a real live company it's a real live thing and they're gonna help you figure out uh Wow, there's a lot of articles about it, and now I can't find the actual website. Kusha Yoga. Um, there's a test, so you know what kind of weed you should be smoking and yoga is you it, should be is doing. Is it what weed you should be smoking while you're doing yoga? I'm confused. I took the test. Did you? Well, then what did it say to you? <clears throat> let, me, um, let me read you my results. Oh my gosh. Well, there's also a mat company called Kusha that I... Okay. Um, Pitta, obviously. Um, okay, so it gives just a general um, description of Pitta from an Ayurvedic point of view. And then it says, Pitta's strain preference may include more pure indica and less CBD. What's that mean? Um, content in order to... Initiate more body high and less of a racing mind. CBD oil and massage may become a Pitta Kusha's best friend. Each Kusha is intensely personal and your preferences may be different. So in other words... <laughs> they might be completely wrong. Just buy the weed that you like. <laughs> uh... I don't even know where to go, go from there. Take it away, Kate. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't even want to like touch that. I do think it's, it's interesting that um, they're teaching workshops in states where it's legal, so they'll be here 
He'll be here soon. I don't see it on there. On there, uh... On the website. Hmm? I don't see it on the website, but they'll come here because it's only going to states where it's legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to do the same thing, but with uh, alcohol. Just what, based on your dosha, what you should drink during class. Sure. So, so you're going to be like restorative with like a white Russian. Just like something heavy and cooling. I, so it's what's going to help you the most. So I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. <laughs> I didn't say it's what you're going to enjoy. Ayurveda isn't about what you want to taste. <laughs> no, I'm saying that um, the alcohol that that pizzas are are supposed to have in moderation is, uh, as I've been told, uh, beer and not hard liquor. I know. I just I wanted to get some like fucking milk in you. <laughs> I can't do milk and alcohol. It's just, it is really not a great. So what would mine be? What would I? Something. Something. Fiery. No, because I'm already fiery. I'm no. tridoshic. Just because I'm chubby doesn't mean I'm all papa. See, that's what I hate about Ayurveda. Somebody looks at you, not you, but historically. It's just another way to fat bash. <laughs> That might actually be true. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Although somebody once said to me, mm, you can be fat if you're vata deranged. Because what you're doing is you're eating so much to try to heal the anxiety. And I say, well, that might be true too. But <laughs> all of this is to say, fuck you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, that being said, Ayurveda has provided some very useful insight to me over the years I know and has it helped has. me through I mean it's the only reason that I can gain any weight anymore you didn't see me in grad school it I was just, not a pretty this is you gain, gained weight yeah I will show you you were a wee fella um yeah um so it, it has been very very helpful but the stuff that's been helpful has been like super simple like, it's not been anything, like, it's not like going, I, I didn't, I've never done a, a, like, long Ayurvedic cleanse. It hasn't been, like, three days kitchery only. No, I mean, I'll do, I've done, no, I've, I've maybe done three, three days. Um, but more, not just kitchery, just sort of um, mono diet. Um, that, I've used that concept before. Um, but... But yeah, it can definitely be taken to a unfortunate extreme. Um, <laughs> can we put this on the thing? Uh, we can he? try. He's adorable. That's Casey. Casey's my type. Look at you. Oh my goodness. You're beautiful. <laughs> As opposed to now. It, this looks like it was taken in like 1972 somehow. Um, it, it wasn't. It was taken in 2010 yeah, or something like that. Yeah, looks like. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know. Um, 
it, it has been very helpful. Um, so what what else, Kate? What you got? What you got coming? <sighs> well, the last thing you and I had a little pseudoscience magic. We already covered that. Well, one of the last things we talked about was um, uh, the latest blog post from our friend Jay. From Mr. Jay. From Mr. Brown. Um, yeah, he had an interesting... Uh, blog post called I Teach Yoga that was the first time in a while I had read as defensive. Mm. And I thought I thought that was surprising um, and kind of cool because sometimes you have to you have to dig your heels in and draw yeah. lines and you know plant your flag, um, but. Jay said far more eloquently, so go read the article, um, than I will say. Um, and I'll pull this quote right from the article. Uh, Does the omission of anything that I imagine might be triggering for people really make my class more safe and inclusive? And in this article, he's going back and forth about using the word yoga and how there's you know, more and more people trying to almost sanitize yoga so mm-hmm. that it's more inclusive and so that eh, nobody's offended. And, um, yeah, it sounded like a really interesting struggle. Yeah. And he landed on the side of, no, it's yoga and I'm calling it this because I am. Which I fundamentally agree with. But I think what, um, what I'm missing from the article, that's not the right way to say it. So there's no, no, I actually don't think that the omission of what I might consider to be triggers inherently makes my class more inclusive. That is my answer to that rhetorical question. However, I do think it's my responsibility being a white man to struggle to understand the systems of oppression that might make my class exclusive. That might make, not even my class, but might make the culture oppressive. And to understand that the system is set up to continue those things. So I'm not saying that I've got to, you know, stop using (coughs) Sanskrit or stop calling it yoga or stop doing this. The systems cannot be dismantled overnight we have to actually understand them and face them. And it doesn't mean that you, that the practice loses its, I mean, he used the word magic. I agree that there is a sense sometimes of, of magic and mysticism to practice. But when I pull back the curtain and look at that, it's, it's, really so simple 
And it might feel like magic because it seems so foreign to us to just lie down and breathe that the effect may indeed feel magical. But it, it it's not magic in like a Harry Potter type of way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Ma- Magic is also the, the language of manipulation. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. stop thinking about this. Yeah. It can't be explained. Mm-hmm. Shush, shush now, little one. And understand this as something that is ineffable. Yeah. And it's it's the foundation of many religions even yeah. that discourage critical thought. And it's 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 a really and powerful particularly tool for manipulation. The yoga community discourages critical thought. Particularly the yoga community. Just come in and do it or just you know, everything's gonna be okay. Saw that with a picture of a harmonium on Instagram today. And I was like, Is it? Your face. Because I, I see you sitting at the harmonium and, and I'm a little frightened, so I'm not sure everything's going to be okay. Well, you know, I, I think that this isn't, you know, I had a buddy post on Facebook the other day that she was disheartened by all of the yoga for, yoga for plus size and yoga for trauma. And she said, like, can it just be yoga i feel like it's harder and harder to get jobs unless you're like branded and hyper specialized in all these things and i was really bummed and disappointed because rather than looking at like well what what is the impulse for all these people to do this yeah yeah, yeah. you know like you don't have to love the plus size yoga movement you don't have to like it but understand yeah. that it's there because there are people that are excluded yeah, you know, and uh, and uh, you know, to to the trauma point, to the tr- it's just the word trigger. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, like yeah. there are people that gather around trigger points because nobody else is paying attention to yeah. them, and they're excluded from the practice. Yeah. So let it happen. Like it doesn't have to be every teacher all the time, but and I think there's also this in the specialization there there can become this sense that like. Even in a specialized class, even in a specialized trauma-sensitive, in air quotes, class, the tools are still really simple. The understanding and the attitude might be have to be a little bit shifted. But, you know, I've been rereading, um, shit, what's it called? Oh, The Body Keeps the Score. Is that the name of it? Yeah, 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 the body yeah. keeps score. Um, so I just started rereading that. I'm just a couple chapters in, and I'm struck reading it this time that um, I, I had this thought that, okay, so the things being presented here are people who have, you know, what we all think of as trauma. You know, sexual trauma, uh, you know, uh, violence, all, all manner of things, right? But it can also happen on a really sort of micro level, even to someone who doesn't consider themselves to be traumatized by an event. Like, to un- the, from 
you know, my understanding of reading the book the first time, and perhaps it'll change, is that there's a distinct set of, of physiological things that happen when someone has undergone trauma. And those things can be operating on a very minor level, like, and they can ha be happening on a very major level. So by understanding um, the psychological approach to trauma and how that can be um, uh, melded with a yoga practice, um, it, it's not just for working with specialized populations. It's for working with fucking everybody. Yeah, I mean, everybody. Yeah. Whether it's as simple as, like... Were they in a body? That's probably useful information. Yes, like... <laughs> whether it's just that, you know, someone had a... You know, and, and it's... When you look at them comparatively, it's it's easy to get, like, oh, well, I, I've never had anything traumatic happen to me because I've never had it. But according to your system, your system probably behaves in some sort of traumatic way based on the most traumatic thing that's happened to it, which is scalable from person to person. Like, maybe it's just one time you had a really bad breakup, and that triggers some very minor low-level response in you. Like, it, we, we have to not... It's... it's um, what am I trying to say? It is... Being inclusive just means understanding the human condition as best you can and understanding the cultural situation that you're operating in as best you can. And both yeah. of those things can be deeply uncomfortable to look at. And you can know you're going to do it imperfectly and still do it anyways. Yeah, That's exactly. okay. You can know you don't you're going to just, fuck it up. You don't have to like throw in the flag and be like... Do, do, you know what I mean? do you know what I mean? It's sort of this all or nothing mentality yeah. that I think people come up against in many different areas. It's like, I'm, you know, if you know that the system, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. And if you know that you're frustrated because you're never going to get it right or it's something is being taken from you. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah, a, yeah. there's a gripping quality to it of like accepting that if enough people are are making the same complaint, maybe maybe it's worthwhile to sit with it for a yeah. long enough period of time that you don't just throw it away. Yeah. And say this is how it's always done. This is how I'm doing it. Let me just. Yeah. Um and and I think it, it really is it's political on some level. Like that's. Yeah. Like the way we talk about yoga is the way we talk about politics. Like, yeah. I don't know why I just don't like her. Like, there's there's an element yeah. of well, wait, no, wait, a, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know you. Uh, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. the system is imperfect. Like, these movements to be uh, inclusive and less harmful are imperfect, but deeply imperfect, wildly. Um, and some of them may themselves be causing harm, but the only way we're gonna figure out collectively you know, how to, how to include more people, which arguably for me is the most important, one of the most important things to do is to make your space as welcoming as you're capable of doing yeah. for as many people as possible. So whoever walks in the door, they at least don't feel hated. They don't yeah. feel, they're, they don't, they're not physically injured, psychically, and, which and spiritually still injured. Room for them to say, 
This isn't my cup of this tea. This isn't my cup of tea. Yeah. This, or even, and I've had this experience with teachers before, being like, that was a really good yoga class. This is not for me. Like, I can hold both of those things at the same time. This was a really well thought out class that is deeply not for me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's fine. And it might be because the teacher was wearing, uh, you know, a cologne and had a high-pitched voice. And those two things to me never are conducive yeah. to yoga. Yeah. So brilliant class, just can't do it. Yes. Yeah. There's it, a yin-yang on your Exactly. Property. It might be that, you know, for whatever reason, that person represents something that you're, that, that does trigger you. I mean, that, that makes it so that you cannot actually have an experience of yoga. And I, I understand that and know that... There are probably some people who feel that way about me and some people who feel that way about you. And um, so we do the best we can. But that also involves, like, as as best we can, looking at the systems that are in place that make it and, and the history that's in place in our community and also the broader cultural history. That's why I don't feel so married to the word yoga, to calling what I do yoga. Do I understand it? I think in the same way that everybody that's calling what they do with a white knuckle grip yoga. Yeah, yoga? yeah absolutely. But I, I saw an interesting quote today from someone, oh, what the fuck is her name? Brilliant plus size activist. And she's like, I'm getting off Twitter. She's like, why? Because I don't like to go to restaurants that that uh you know host parties for fascists and, and racists yeah, and i don't yeah. like to go to, to, you know i tend to not hang out with people that give lots of money there so i'm just not going to be on twitter and it's like well there's part of me that's like yoga is problematic enough the word the history what's yeah. that i don't feel a great loss not using that word do i use it right now will i continue to use it yeah i'm just yeah philosophically i don't I don't... I... feel... actually quite secure in using it. Um, But in doing that, I also know that I have to often define what I mean. Um, Either with my personal definition or a more inclusive definition. Why do you need that... a word for it, though? Why can't it just be what it is? Like, but what? Here, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I don't feel insecure in using the word. I just think it's it's riddled with a really sure. complicated history that I'm not always super excited but it also, to espouse. It also I'm... points at something. Yes. And specifically, you know, um, since most of my philosophical study is, you know related to Buddhism, like Buddhism is it is a yoga. You know, it's a and um I consider everything that I do in terms of studying and seated meditation, I consider that to be yoga. I consider every tool that I have to sort of make myself well, I consider to be yoga because that's what I was taught that it was. And um Somatic doesn't describe that. Somatic is a means something different. It doesn't include that philosophical body of teachings. Mm. 
So I'm not seeking and on the hunt for an alternative word for it. Yeah. I I just presently don't feel deep attachment to the word yoga. No, and Do you but, know what I mean? Like yes. union and if if, if someone were to say, is, "Oh, what Ryan does, that's not really yoga." Like, okay, whatever. It is to me, so I'm still going to use the word. But if someone wants to call it something else, I'm I'm fine with that. But I'm going to call it yoga for now because there's not really a a better. I worked with someone who was um, a yoga teacher for a religious population, and they were wrestling with whether or not to call what they were doing yoga because so many people wouldn't come because of its name. Yeah. And um, they went back and forth and back and forth and ultimately decided not to call it. It's still yoga, but they don't call it that. They don't advertise it as that. They advertise it as what it is for that population. Yeah, which is, and I think that there's there's honesty and even though you know there's honesty to that. Yeah, to just being like you know it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter as long as people are practicing whatever that is. then it's just, it's not worth, I don't know. Again, I call what I do yoga. I'm not seeking to shed it. I am just yeah, very ambivalent. And I do mean opposing views with yeah. great vigor um, on whether or not it's super important it's not a magical word to me, for sure. No, it's not a magic. It, it literally just points to what I'm talking about. To me, it it both points to a lineage, though sometimes troubling, um, and it also points to. Um, that's on the broader sense and on the specific sense it just points to my personal philosophical point of view as I understand it in a given moment plus whatever tools I'm using to practice and study Um, and so it's useful to just say I'm practicing yoga and I have all of these things at my disposal with which to practice yoga um, but at that point it becomes much more of a linguistic convenience <laughs> yeah. than, than, than a, a grandiose, uh, Yeah. And I can get word. behind that. I can yeah, get yeah. behind efficiency. Yeah. And I'm putting whatever, even though when I practice it might not, not look this way. When I teach, I'm putting it in the container that people culturally understand to be what a yoga class is supposed to look like. So, you know, 
we do do something that looks vaguely like a sun salutation each class. With each year, it gets further and further mm. <laughs> from what a salutation looks like. But it, it, it has the same purpose and function. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> it it harkens me back to an old conversation we had about with Renee about being an asana teacher. Mm-hmm. One that I'm not going to dredge up, just one that made me yeah. think of. Yeah, you know, you can go back in the archives and look up that one. Yeah, that was a good one. The one with Renee. Episode from. <laughs> so here we are in episode forty nine, which means. What is it, our... 49th episode. <laughs> no, our next one is our... 50th, yes. Yeah, then. but what's that called? Sesquicentennial? No, no. I don't know! Is that what that is? Hold on. Alright, well, while you look it up, I'll let, I'll let our listeners know the word of the week is... Jejun. <laughs> so God. obnoxious. J-E-J-U-N-E. And it means, and I did not pick this out while knowing the topics, superficial, simplistic, naive. And it's an adjective. Um, you can't use that word without sounding like a douche. That's the only thing. There's just, how do you, how do you use that word in a sentence and keep, keep dignity? Oh no, sesquicentennial is in 150th. So I don't know what. I can figure it out. Um, and then the book that I have revisited this week is a book of poetry that is hysterical. It's called Letters to Wendy's. Wendy's like the fast food restaurant. And it's by Joe Wenderoth. And um, he wrote it on the back of comment cards during visits to Wendy's. And it's super um, smart and funny and upsetting. And you can plow through it in a night. And um, it's just a lovely, strange little little book. Semi-centennial. That's what I was going to say. Is it like meza or semi-centennial? Okay, so it's our semi-centennial, our next episode. Don't expect anything special. I'll put on a bra and some deodorant and Ryan will do the same. (laughs) It'll be what it is. Um, Us just sitting here putzing around. (laughs) Bitching about shit we see on the internet. We should really just rewrite the description of the podcast at this point, because that's... <laughs> okay, is... well, this has been Unrolled. Sure has. Um, leave us a review or stars. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Check out the website. Check out some old podcasts. Send us questions. All that. Um, uh, if you made it this far, thank you. And uh, wishing you... A lovely week. We'll see you next next week for our big five O. So if there's anything you want us to cover, I think you have like ten minutes to send that in because we're probably yeah. recording right now. But send it in anyways. We'll try yeah. to get to it. Bye. Bye.